Barb, formerly served as the director of the children's program at Bible Study Fellowship. She loved the many years she taught women's Bible study fellowship classes in Michigan, Kentucky, and Cape Town, South Africa. Barb currently writes gospel-centered materials with the purpose of equipping parents and teachers to disciple the next generation. She is the author of A Jesus Christmas, A Jesus Easter, and several others that you'll find on her website. The topic of her talk today comes from a book she co-authored with her daughter-in-law, Stacy called Making Room for Her, Biblical Wisdom for a Healthier Relationship with Your Mother-in-Law or Daughter-in-Law. And Barb and her husband, Ron, are pleased to worship with their family at Bethlehem. Thanks so much. Thank you all so much for having me today. It is such a joy to be with you, and I love all the the baby noise, and it's just really fun. I'm going to untangle here and try to move that out of the way. I have a sort of on the quiet side voice, so if you have trouble hearing me, just feel free to raise your hand at any time. Um, <clears throat> and just relax, keep eating, or whatever you're doing. And uh, we're going to have a, a fun time here for the next 35 minutes. Although, it's not what I'd call a rah-rah topic. It's <laughs> it is kind of tricky. In fact, uh, in the summer, a woman came up to me at church, and we were talking about the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship. She said, you know, I have a wonderful mother-in-law. You know, you couldn't ask for anybody better, and we have a good relationship, but... She said, it is a tricky relationship, even in the best of circumstances. And I don't know if you would agree with that comment or not, but I'd like for you to turn to the person next to you and talk about why you think that this is a tricky relationship. Just one or two minutes, okay? So quickly. Okay, let's pull it back together and just shout out what some of the, how you would describe that tricky relationship. One or two words. <laughs> yes, and, and it can be a man in the middle a lot of times, right? Okay. Unspoken expectations. Yeah, we're going to land on that one. What other thoughts? Those are great ideas. Yeah, yeah, the comparison thing can be threatening for both mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Well, I think those are great comments, and, and you've hit on some of the trickiest parts of that relationship. So just to kind of set the stage, um, I'm not the answer person, and because I'm not the expert. So... Uh, what I bring to you today are just thoughts that are going to drop in your head and heart, and as you process them, you're going to realize how they connect with your specific situation. So um, I'm, I'm not going to give you a formula for what works, but mostly I'm going to say I, I can give you a little bit of what I wrestled with 
and what God has taught me in the process. Of course, my daughter-in-law and I wrote this book together, so uh, we had a lot of counseling sessions <laughs> together as we talked about these very topics. And, and that in and of itself was a great privilege. As Pam mentioned, uh, she and our small group were praying for us all along as the book developed. But um, as I said, I've learned a lot, and I'm very familiar with what it means to be a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. I've been a, a daughter-in-law for 50 years. My mother-in-law is deceased, but I count every one of those years as still part of that relationship because even after you're no longer together, you're still growing and learning, and the lessons continue to go on. Um, and I've been a mother-in-law for 23 years. Ben and Stacy have been married for that long. So I've, in both of those relationships, I have said things that would have been better left unsaid. I've withheld love and forgiveness for longer than I should have and wish I had. And I've excused myself. I've justified my position. And, uh, and so conflict in years past continued. And first impressions lingered longer than they should have. Um, now, when I look back at what it meant for me to become a mother-in-law, I realize that I didn't even think about relating to my mother-in-law. I was, I was the daughter-in-law, I guess I should clarify that. I was the daughter-in-law, and my thoughts, my life was wrapped up in what does it mean to be a wife? And the mother-in-law relationship was really just a sidebar that I hadn't thought about before. Um, but my mother-in-law was a really wonderful person. She was a, a godly woman. She uh, had friends who trusted her and were very close to her. She had a close, immediate family in the state where she lived. And obvious to me, she had raised a very wonderful son. And yet, I could see that there was tension. Um, many of the nice conversations that I had planned out in my head before we actually arrived at her home um, and engaging situations that I rehearsed and hoped would happen didn't go the way I wanted them to. And I became a strange mix of loving and resentful, sweet and sour, thoughtful and very selfish. And by the end of the visit, I felt exhausted because of my swing and emotions. Um, maybe you can relate. Maybe that is very foreign idea to you because you, you have had a, a very close relationship with your in-law for a long time. But I'm simply telling you some of the things I have struggled with through the years. And I was surprised that my husband wasn't too awfully interested in hearing about my struggle in the car on the way home. Um, so I very often, and rightfully so probably, felt alone in, in my struggle. It really uh, wasn't fair of me to put my husband in the middle. And it wouldn't have been fair for me to put my son in the middle. And so um, we, 
you know, that was something I had to learn to deal with. Some of you are right here because of various reasons. A mother-in-law and daughter-in-law might have a different political position. They might think differently about schooling options or child discipline or food and diet, what church to go to, whether to be a stay-at-home mom or work outside the home. And is it any wonder that there are so many debates within that family <clears throat> relationship? Or maybe the, the current issues aren't part of the problem with your in-law. It's more like the conversations are one-sided. When you're together, it's typically one person who does all the talking. And so you struggle with feeling like your in-law doesn't really know you. And you conclude, well, my in-law is from a different generation. Of course, we can't understand each other. Or, of course, I don't even want to engage in conversation because I know that she has a different life experience and she's not going to understand my current issues. Um, you know you're not going to connect. So I clearly struggled with my expectations. And I wanted my mother-in-law to be different uh, than who she was. That was my expectation, that she would change. But here's what I finally asked myself. Do you want to have a good relationship with her? Or do you just want her to be the person you feel you need her to be? Well, then I became a mother-in-law. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, I didn't know what it meant to be a daughter-in-law, and now I really don't know what it means to be a mother-in-law. Um, and so I, I developed assumptions, and I developed expectations for this relationship, too. And my assumptions and expectations were all wrong. I thought, if I just be the mother-in-law that I wished I had had when I was younger, then that will be just right for my relationship with Stacy. But Stacy came to the relationship with different expectations and different assumptions, uh, whereas I felt that um, I knew what she would want that wasn't what, what Stacy would have loved me to do and what I wished I had done is ask her more questions. Find out, not assume I knew what she would want to do, but ask her more questions about uh, her thoughts on a certain subject or what her preferences were. So um, we both embrace, though, the biblical principle of leave and cleave. And so we really both were coming from the understanding that the marriage relationship is primary in a, in a couple's life. And, um, and so a, a new bride or a, you know, a daughter-in-law is consumed with her relationship with her husband and her new role as a mother when that, if that comes along and if that's part of their life together. And she has dreams of her own family traditions that she's starting to develop. And so this, <clears throat> these are very helpful things for a mother-in-law to understand. At the same time, 
as a daughter-in-law's role is pretty clearly defined in the grand scheme of things. A mother-in-law's uh, role is a little less, less defined. And I think that's why we see this relationship as so tricky. Uh, because <clears throat> it's very easy for a mother-in-law, as I thought, oh, my daughter-in-law, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a consultant. <laughs> I, I'm, I've had so much experience. And surely that is going to be such a wonderful help <laughs> to um, my daughter-in-law <clears throat> and ultimately my son, right? Well, um, here's, here's the picture that God gave me over time. That this whole relationship is wrapped up in the image of a marathon. And the, the newly married couple, the, the daughter-in-law in particular, is running this race, holding hands with her husband, bringing her family along, and they are in the race. <clears throat> They're training because they, they have the long view of making it to the finish line. And it's just very clearly defined. A mother-in-law doesn't know if she's supposed to be in the race, uh, but if she is, she's competing and struggling, and so there is that, that tension there. Or she is, um, uh, she's the coach. The mother-in-law feels like she's going to give them what they need for the next step so that they do make the long haul. But really, um, uh, the mother-in-law is not the, in the runner in the race. She's not the coach directing the path. She's the cheering team. She's the one who is standing on the sidelines, really saying, you know, passing the water in, cheering them on. You can do this. You can make it. We're praying for you, and we'll help you in any way because we're in this to encourage you to make it to the finish line as well. And I think we as mother-in-laws struggle with this picture because to be on the sidelines is to say your role is just not as important, right? And all the experience that you've had is, is not helping here at this particular time. And it's really not saying that at all. It's just simply saying that um, we're going to encourage, we're going to cheer the newlywed on. And Jesus told us by his example and by his words that he didn't come to be served, he came to serve. And I think that's probably the greatest position of all. And it's a, I've learned to treasure that relationship uh, and my role in the relationship. I think it also applies to whatever culture we are in. <clears throat> My friends in Singapore tell me that when the, um, when the husband, the eldest son, his mother becomes infirmed or elderly or becomes a widow, it is the role of the firstborn son to take his mother into the home. And I've talked to many a Singaporean woman who says that is so difficult because she's so controlling and just uh, it, it's always all about her. Uh, but this principle still applies. 
it, no matter what culture we're in, when the mother-in-law understands her purpose for this period of time in her life, and the daughter-in-law understands her purpose biblically, uh, it does it does help with even these very difficult times. I love to hear from my friends who live in Africa. They seem to very much understand how wonderful and purposeful it is to all live within the same housing complex. I, I'd love to take more time to explain that to you, but you probably already know. But, you know, the, the parents have their wing of the house and their roles and responsibilities are very clear, clearly defined for the benefit of the entire family. Nobody's getting more credit or uh, help in that situation. But it takes time, no matter what culture we're in, for that image of the marathon to sink in. I think it's very helpful. I, I saw my doctor last week and uh, he came into the room and smiling. I thought, well, either he's going to give me really good news or he has something fun to tell me. And he, he said, my wife just finished reading, making room for her. And he said, she has a great relationship with my mother now, but it didn't start out that way. He said, she, um, she, wondered why her mother-in-law, whenever she came to the house, wanted to take everybody out to dinner. Now, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> she, she didn't have to cook. But in this situation, this is how um, my doctor's wife reacted to it. She said, why can't she ever understand that it is so difficult for us to go to a restaurant as a family? The kids are little. They always act up when they're supposed to be sitting still. And it never works. And I feel like a terrible parent. Uh, <clears throat> so after 12 years of wishing things were different, the relationship was finally to a point where my doctor's wife could talk honestly with uh, his mother. She had rehearsed the conversation, had tr attempted it at other times, not gone well. But now, because they knew each other and they understood each other's personalities, she could come by and say, you know, how about if we have hamburgers at home? It would be, I'll fix it, it'll be easy and we'll be able to have a conversation around that. So just something simple like that. And so for the next 12 years, uh, the relationship has reached uh, another wonderful stage because of that honesty and probably the grace to be able to communicate in that way. So, uh, you know, we can, we can go to the experts and learn a lot about relational issues and common sense type of things on how we can relate to one another. We can go to a counselor and we can talk and get biblical principles about how to work through difficulties in the, these relationships. But of course, we all know that God is the relational expert that we need. And he gives us so much counsel in his word and truth that we can cling to. You're going to have a test to for, for God to show you how very effective his grace is in giving you everything you need to relate to your in-law this Thanksgiving and 
through the next month that will be crazy leading up to, to Christmas, you'll have a lot of, of time to test God's faithfulness, which we sang so beautifully about this morning. And he is faithful and true to his word. These are just a handful of verses that have meant so much to me personally with my mother-in-law and daughter-in-law relationship through the years. James 1.9, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Hmm. You know, I can apply that to a lot of other people, but for some reason or another, I had never applied it <laughs> to my mother-in-law or daughter-in-law relationship. Showing love means listening first. It means asking good questions. I assumed that my opinions about schooling options were wonderful. <laughs> um, I felt that they fell, fell into a need-to-know category, especially for my daughter-in-law. And um, after I thought about that on a little bit more um, level, with a little bit more level head, and when Stacy and I were writing the book and talking about these different issues, I thought to myself, why didn't I... Um, ask her what she thought. <laughs> what I mean, she has an elementary education degree. And I was approaching that conversation like I was the expert. She's the mother. She has um, an understanding of what God wants for their family because she and her husband have prayed about it. And they know uh, how to discern God's will. But I didn't ask her that. And so... I have had to learn, because God showed me, that listening and asking good questions are really great and, and godly uh, commands for us and connect the dots to a relational uh, health that's wonderful. Um, and it tampers down expectations. Okay, here's another one. James 4, 1 and 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire what you do not have, and so you kill. And you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Well, the in-law battle, this verse tells us, starts in our hearts. We see the sin of our in-law, but in pride we fail to see our own part. And so that was a, a big aha moment for me because I was always assuming and expecting my in-law to change, to become the person I felt I needed her to be instead of learning who she, she was. So um, I had to do some real thinking and praying about that. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ I had to ask myself, am I aiming uh, to support my daughter-in-law when I speak? Or am I carrying, uh, laying more burdens on her? Am I helping carry her burdens or lay more on her? And Matthew 18, 21 and 22, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, 
but 77 times. You know, here Jesus is calling us to choose forgiveness. There will be hurt that happens in our hearts because of the relational struggles. Um, But we can forgive with God's help. By his grace, he will remind us how much we have been forgiven of. And he calls us to forgive, not once or twice, but to forgive and forgive and forgive. And that doesn't negate that there will be conversations to work things through. But in the ultimate purpose of your relationship is to practice the grace of God, which is to forgive the undeserving, right? That's why we're saved, because of his forgiveness of us when we did not deserve it. And First uh, Peter 4.8, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. You know, we can overlook an offense, and we can extend the grace that God has extended to us. Uh, we can move on. We can uh, never bring it up again. Those are things we can do, not because of our own strength, but because of the Spirit of God who is working in us. And he promises that. He promises us that if he commands something, he will give us everything we need to obey. And how do we know that? Well, many verses, but here's just one. 1 Corinthians 9.8. Be careful, however, that the exercise... Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Here, here's the verse I intended to tell you. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 9.8. And God is able to make every grace abound to you, so that in every good way always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Now, all of these are biblical texts that we can hold on to and will help us to walk in the way of Jesus. But I love it how God gives us these verses, these concepts, these biblical principles, but he also gives us stories. And because I can hang on to a story sometimes as it's related. And one of the most beautiful is in the book of Ruth. Because one of the most famous uh, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationships is between Naomi and Ruth. So let's look at that one for a few minutes. Uh, You probably know the story, and I'm just going to recap it for us. When Naomi and her husband hit hard times in Israel, they, they moved. They were hungry. They needed to go somewhere where there was food. And they moved away at the expense of the community, the, the godly community that they were in, and the supportive community that they were in, to a foreign land. Well, they got there, and after a period of time, they're only... To uh, their sons married foreign women and worshipped other gods. Naomi's husband died, and then her sons died. Now, we get hints all along that Naomi more or less felt like a victim of her circumstances and her wrong decisions along the way. And what comes to the surface 
pretty regularly is her prickly personality, right? She mustn't have been a very easy person to get along with. Um, and I think we can even hear some of the hurtful things that she says, especially to Ruth along the way. But the truth of the matter is, God never abandoned Naomi. Her daughter-in-law, Ruth, was God's gift to her. Ruth didn't, I mean, and, and maybe part of your struggle is that you're in a relationship with an in-law who's not a believer. Well, Naomi and Ruth really did start out that way before God touched Ruth's heart and uh, transformed her life through Naomi, um, knowing Naomi's God. But um, through their relationship, God planned great good for them both. And for us, the blessing that God gave to that mother-in-law and daughter-in-law just snowballed and reaches down multiple generations from their time because the Lord Jesus Christ came from their, their union as in-laws and believing next steps about what God would do. So God worked way more than they could have ever possibly imagined. So I'm, I'm thinking back to that question that I had to ask myself and would like to ask you, too. Do you want to have a good relationship with your in-law? Or do you simply want her to change to be the person who you feel you need her to be? Well, God helped me through the example of Ruth and Naomi to just kind of stand back and, and look at the bigger picture and look about look at what God wanted me to learn about himself. Because at the end of the day, that's always the most important thing to learn, right? It'll help put everything into perspective to know God, and it will clear up all of my assumptions when I finally grasp what God wants me to know about himself. So here are a couple of things that really rose to the surface for me in Ruth and Naomi's story. In our Father's loving sovereignty, he chose your in-law for your good. And she's never going to be a perfect person because you are never going to be a perfect person. And it's an awesome thought to think that, that God put two people together who really didn't choose each other. I mean, really didn't choose each other. And... They're not perfect because none of us is. And, um, and you can even have a prickly personality in law. But God put you together. God brought this union together for good. Um, Stacy, my daughter-in-law, wrote a beautiful article called jo God Chose Your Mother-in-Law. And I think some of you might really be interested in reading that because um, it'll fortify <laughs> your vision for that relationship as you head into Thanksgiving. Um, well, Ruth and Naomi weren't perfect. You and your in-law will not be perfect, but praise God, he uses flawed people. And he'll use you in her life, and he'll use her life in yours. He has big plans. 
He has plans for your relationship that you do not see yet because God puts us together as a family. And God gives us the family who needs us and who we will receive much from, no matter what your personalities and circumstances are. That's God's plan. I think sometimes what we uh, need is help, and sometimes what we need is holiness. And God knows that this relationship, really sometimes above all relationships, is a way that he files away at our uh, sins that are exposed. I, I look back and I think of my relationship with my mother-in-law and realize that pride came to the surface in my heart when we were together. Um, and then what fo- follows that is anger. And, um, and it's often the anger that we feel justified in having because we didn't get what we expected out of that relationship. Jealousy can also rise to the surface that others seem to have what I wanted or why, why wasn't I recognized uh, for the recipe that I've always made? Um, you know, it can be little things like that that just trigger those sins that I do okay at hiding when I'm not squeezed. But when I'm in an uncomfortable situation, what I feel I deserve uh, takes me off path. Um, Complaining can rise to the surface. That's the idea of getting back in the car after a visit and (laughs) unloading on my husband. Stubbornness, instead of celebrating the differences um, that are intended for our good, the differences between us. Um, God's greater purpose for me and for you is to make us more like his son. So that is, that is something that was just an aha for me from Ruth and Naomi. And then to realize that true love, the love we need, is that unfailing, steadfast, hesed love that God gives to each of us in Christ. And it, throughout the book of Ruth, definitely Psalms wins the prize for unfailing hesed love uh, mentioned in the scriptures. But Ruth and Naomi in the book of Ruth, it's there as well. God's hesed love enables us to love our in-law because that's the love he fills us with. So regardless of the conversations, the personality differences, the confrontational moments, God will equip you to love your in-law. I know it seems impossible. I talked with someone who's never even met her in-law. But God intends that relationship to be a loving one. Whether, you know, they meet our expectations or they're not there, that's... That's what he's doing. As I said, God's still working on my heart with my relationship with my mother-in-law, even though she's in heaven. So um, that can feel like a duty, though, to feel like you have to do this. Okay, God's going to supply what I need, but this is what he expects, and I'm just going to do it. That 
that can feel like a duty, and we can go through the motions, but not really have the desire to love. But what I have learned uh, through the years is that when God gives me a command, and I dutifully enter into that, that I find he, he pulls my heart along to the point where I actually um, love uh, him more, and then love from my heart, the one who, who he wants me to delight in. So that's Hesed love is, is another thing I learned in Ruth. And then the third point is that just as with Naomi and Ruth, God plans to do way more than you can imagine in this relationship and in your subsequent generations in your family. He is going to bless your kids because he sees, he or she sees this relationship and the dynamics, perhaps knows a little bit of the challenges that are there, but how your desire is to love. And, and so subsequent families that come from your family are really going to be impacted in ways that you can't even imagine now. Um, as I mentioned before, through God's love to Naomi and Ruth, he reached out to others and the world to send his son, Jesus Christ, who, who, when Jesus came, he's the one who impacted the world. So Ruth and Naomi didn't know the end of the story, and you and I aren't going to know the end either. Uh, we do what we do. We love what we love in faith. God is at work. And, um, and we know that's for his glory and for the future generations of your family. So God solidified those truths in my heart and really set the stage for us as a family then to navigate the sufferings that God also had planned for our family. Suffering is God's tool. It's a fresh opportunity. Even if your past attempts to build a relationship haven't gone anywhere, um, in, and, and you're still seeing that marathon image, and you're in it wholeheartedly, you're praying, but nothing seems to be changing, a God may bring a trial into your circumstances and trials, as they have worked for me and most likely will work for you, uh, tend to make everything else fall to the wayside. All the issues, all the assumptions, all the expectations that only worked to divide. Uh, you bring a trial and some suffering into the mix and uh, what really is lasting, of lasting importance and significance softens hearts and can bind us together in love like nothing else. Well, this happened um, when my mother-in-law lived very far away. We were expecting our second child, and I, because I, it was discovered that I had a placenta previa, I was in bed for the last trimester, basically, of that pregnancy. And my mother-in-law came. My mother-in-law came. I kind of wondered, is that really going to be helpful? It was helpful. I, I was in bed. I couldn't do anything. She came in. She, 
she fixed meals, she kept the house tidied up, she ministered to our oldest son at that time, and we were together for several weeks, but it was her Hesed love to us that that blurred the scenery of the past, if you will, and really brought, brought to the forefront the beauty of this relation of this woman. I could appreciate her like I hadn't ever before. So God used suffering in that relationship to create a a lasting desire in my heart to love her and return the love that she had shown us. And the other situation, I guess it's kind of like a bookend, was uh, with my daughter-in-law. Last summer, after I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, I, um, I was very ill at first, in those first few weeks. And my daughter-in-law and my son and their family came to stay with us. Well, it just so happens that that was exactly the time of our 50th wedding anniversary. And not only did they really help us in so many very tangible and practical ways, but when the day came for us to celebrate this anniversary, Stacy prepared a beautiful meal and then she came over to the chair that I was rather confined to and said, uh, Barb, how about if we use the good china? Let me set the table, bring out the china, and, um, and, and we'll, we'll have a wonderful celebration. And I said, Stacy, please, that's just so much work. And these dishes can't just plop in the dishwasher. You have to hand wash these dishes. Don't go to all that trouble. Let's use paper plates. It'll be much easier. We'll all enjoy it, and it won't be so much work on you. She put her foot down. She said, Barb, when you and Ron got married 50 years ago, you got these dishes, this set of china, as a wedding gift, and you intended to use it for um, holidays and wonderful events. In, in, in the yearly schedule. She said, and this is the biggest one of all. What, I don't mind baking the dinner and, and setting the table and doing the dishes. It would be my honor and my blessing. And so those are two landmark times that really show me that uh, one of the values of suffering as a family, God will bind your hearts together. And so that brought me back to that question again. Do you want to have a good relationship with your in-law? Or do you simply want her to be who you feel you need her to be? Well, by this time in my life, I realized it was a good relationship that I was after. And the good relationship came through caring, um, through asking good questions, through listening, through forgiving, through overlooking offenses, and not burdening each other with my concerns. So um, I I recognize that God gives us very clear instructions on relational issues. And he gives us this beautiful picture to learn so much about him and his purposes in this in-law relationship and how he sometimes uses suffering for that to be very helpful. But some of you here 
today are, are grappling with very, very challenging relationships. And I want to recognize that too. I think that we can learn all the things, the biblical principles, and we can learn to depend and trust in God's uh, strength to carry out his will in beautiful ways through this relationship. And, and I recognize that he is changing our hearts. But still, there are some extenuating circumstances that really impact some of you. And I want to just encourage you not to go home and just stay in that place. I should, I should, I should. I would say, please think of a couple of people to come alongside and pray with you about this relationship so that you can really carry the, this understanding of God's purposes for this relationship in your heart. You just, you just need people to come alongside you. And I would encourage you to choose someone who is wise, who knows you well, and who might see things uh, that you're missing in this relationship that you can't see right now. And uh, she knows the situation well enough that she can tell you not what she knows you want to hear, but she will be honest with you and tell you what you need to hear, what God wants you to know. And, and I think God will show you through your own personal prayer, through the help of a, a friend or counselor, what you need to know to pull you out and give you the wisdom that you need through prayer. So I, I just want to encourage you in that way, and I know that God has great plans for your in-law relationship and your family as a result.